0: Welcome to the First Responder to Rich's Remo Show, the podcast dedicated to helping first responders earn additional income and create lasting wealth through real estate. Each week, we'll break down complex concepts, debunk myths, and interview a variety of industry leaders. To help you thrive beyond your professional calling. And now here's your host, top producing mortgage broker, real estate investor, and fellow first responder, Scott Sarai.
1: All right. Welcome back to the First Responder to Riches Real Estate and Mortgage Show. As always, I'm your host, Scott Sarai. And this week we have, what I think, an amazing episode. We have a ex-Baltimore City firefighter, now founder of Equity Warehouse, Ian Horowitz. Ian and his business partner were both on the job for 15 years and decided that real estate was gonna be their main passion and they exited the job and now have $70 million under management. On this episode, Ian goes over how he started, how he grew his portfolio and what the defining moment was for him and his business partner to leave the first responder world. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I do enjoy the show
2: hey and welcome to the show hey what's up scott how you doing not too bad yourself good uh i'm out here on the east coast it's actually a beautiful 70 degree day just north of philadelphia um i see you got a winter hat on is it snowing out there yet i saw a buddy of mine in montana he already has snow on the ground so
1: yeah i know no snow here on the west coast but uh toronto east coast it's like 21 degrees celsius so i think that's like 70 fahrenheit but uh, over here on the West Coast, it's three degrees right now, so that would be a bit, bit chillier for you. Uh, but no snow, but
2: sun's out, so that's always nice. Nice, yeah. I'm not I'm not ready for that that uh, time of year to come. Although I think it's going to be a bad winter. We've gotten away with a few, um, but it is what it is. So, hey man, just happy to be on the show, and uh, hopefully I can help your audience with whatever we're looking to to talk about. I'm a, I'm an open book, so let's do it.
1: Awesome. Okay. So for those listening, I think you're going to get some value out of this today. It definitely isn't the atypical career path of a firefighter or a first responder. So that's why I reached out to Ian to bring him on to the show. Um, So Ian, I know your backstory, but for our listeners, why don't you tell them about yourself and what you do?
2: Yeah. Uh, My name is Ian Horowitz with Equity Warehouse. Uh, We own and operate about a $70 million portfolio of real estate with a heavy concentration in self-storage and multifamily uh we'll get into my story here in a second but me and my business partner uh sorry my wife would yell at me my business partner and i uh we were both firemen for the city of baltimore uh we had desire to have career paths of 30 years and be ghetto firemen and live all the war years like you used to see in fdny and baltimore and all these other big cities philadelphia Uh, but that um, we were able to retire early and now we're actively pursuing our real estate careers, uh, grinding away on self-storage and multifamily.
1: Okay, so uh, Baltimore, for those that probably know the show, how true is the wire to what Baltimore
2: actually is like? Oh, dude, to the Uh, T. If you pick up around season three, that's about when Dan and I got hired Um, and we worked in the heart of West Baltimore. So when you see the kids talking about the towers, and the projects, like, that's the direct neighborhood that I worked in. You hear him talking about, like, Monroe to Pace and the Pulaski, like, the different areas that they were working. Dan and I both started in that firehouse early in our careers. All the corruption in the government, all the other crap that you see go on, it is all 100% true. Um, and the old police chief Ed Norris, um, he actually helped write that show. And I've run into him at a couple of events now. And I'm like, dude, you, hit, you, you guys nailed it uh, spot on. Uh, and it's all true, man. It, it, it's crazy. Baltimore is a wild place. I'll leave it at that. So,
1: yeah, it's nuts. For those who haven't watched that show, I highly recommend it. It was good. It was a good show. It was a good run. Uh, so, before we get into your real estate career, I just kind of want to pick on on your fire and first responder background. How long were you a firefighter before your exit?
2: Yeah, so I made it about 14 years. Uh, my business partner made it about 15 years. Um, we always, you know, just to give a little bit of a backstory, yeah, you know, we grew up volunteering outside of Philadelphia. We always wanted to be career firemen. Yeah, you know, we both turned you know, a little over 18, started taking tests all over the place. Five, six, seven years of taking tests. I mean, you got to remember, like, we're post 9-11. You know, 9-11, all of a sudden becoming a fireman was cool again. You know, so we're talking, you know, early 2000s, trying to get hired. Everybody's trying to get hired. Um, and two of our friends, I mean, we tested – Harrisburg, New York, Philadelphia, Camden, New Jersey, uh Northern Virginia, all you know Fairfax, Arlington, Washington DC. But two of our buddies got hired in Baltimore City. Um they said it was awesome, went down there, took the test. Uh and a couple years later we both got hired. Uh, my business partner got hired in 07, I got hired in 08 and uh you know that's where we went from there. Um and that's pretty much from there's kind of what, and we'll get into that, I guess, here in a second, but that's what thrusted us into real estate. The time period that we got hired uh, was kind of a catalyst to why we got involved in real estate.
1: Okay. Yeah. Now I think I heard it on a a past episode with you and I thought it was just like a crazy, crazy story and I'll I'll kind of pick on it here. Um, So you're a firefighter, you've been on, let's say two, three, four years, and you're starting to see things. What was the like the moment you decided to start investing in real estate, like what drove you to make that first purchase and, and what was the first purchase?
2: Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're, we're a decent sized department. I mean, 1, 17, 1800 members, like it's just big enough to know every, not know everybody. And it's just small enough to kind of know everybody. Um, And, you know, early on, let's see, I, I got hired in 08, 09. We got furloughed 2010, I think Obamacare came out here in the U S so everybody's healthcare went through the roof. And then they started messing with it. No, that was 2012, maybe 2010. They started fucking with our, fucking with our pensions, excuse my French, but it's first responder show. So I assume it's appropriate. Um, So they started messing with our pension 2012 Obamacare comes out 2012. They shut down three companies. There's no overtime from like, basically from 9 to like 2013 there's like literally no overtime and I was like, dude what what are we doing I took a I took a government job in exchange for benefits and for your know, career trajectory and they're stripping everything away. I mean look at the core heart of it like I love being a fireman I love like if you break it down the job of like helping somebody out absolutely love it like everybody does right love going to fires love helping people out in the time of need. Absolutely love it. But then on the same side, you're sitting there going, all right, I'm 28. My wife wants to have kids. I'm making a couple hundred bucks every other week or barely a thousand bucks every other week. I'm like, I don't understand how to afford to take care of childcare. I understand how to afford a house. Like my my understanding of money was not that very good. And we were working at that point. Oh, they started messing with our schedule too. But we we, at that point we were working days and nights. I don't know what you work out there. We were working two 10 hour days, two 14 hour nights, four days off. So, what would happen? Typical fireman have a side business or go work for somebody. My two day works. Then, you know, the second day work, you go rage like an idiot, you know, your swing shift, go party. Then your two days before your night works, you go work. And then your four days off, you go work. So now I'm like, so I traded working five days a week to work eight days a week to make a lot less money than all I was doing before. I was like, well, this is stupid. I said, so what can I do to make money while I'm asleep in bed? And another thing that started coming up when you start talking about having kids is like legacy and what if like we're recording this episode and I don't know when this is going to get released, but it's October 26, 2023. A friend of mine literally just got killed in the line of duty. He was a rookie in our firehouse. They got, he, he passed away the other day, got severely injured last week. And another member got killed last week in a fire. And, um, I also shout their names out, Rot- uh, firefighter, Rodney Pitts and Lieutenant Dylan Ronaldo. Uh, they both passed away in this past week. And when you sit there and start thinking about it, you're like, y'all, I'm about to have kids. Like, is the city like here's a city who's fucking with us. Are they actually going to pay my wife out? Right. Like we're here in the U.S. and there's federal funding and stuff if you're killed in the line of duty. But I don't trust Baltimore City to pay my wife. I don't like what is she going to do if I got severely injured or killed in the line of duty and has to pay for a house and take care of my kids? And I was like, well, the only thing I can think to do where I don't need to actively be in a business is real estate. If I'm asleep at work, I'm making money. If I'm hurt and I'm down and out, I'm making money. If I die, my wife can sell the assets off. If I have a landscaping company, a painting company, contracting company, was my wife going to step in and go handle all those contracts? I think she has the wherewithal to do it, but why would you leave her with that? So we started buying real estate. Uh, It was the only thing that I could think of to do That was passive enough, relatively speaking, and that if something happened to me, that my wife could take it over and take care of our family and leave some sort of legacy. Um, And the first house we ever bought was in East Baltimore. Um, I spent 20 grand. I can't say that I did it right. I can't say that I did it wrong. I was over there. I was the one doing the plumbing. I was the one doing the painting. I was the one hanging the sheetrock. I was the one doing everything and i think we paid 20 grand for that i probably put i mean dude we weren't keeping books then so take it with a grain of salt let's just say i put 35 grand into it i don't know somewhere in that range and we got 1250 rent and this thing was worth like 100 grand and i was like holy shit dude like i just made 600 in one month covering my mortgage covering my mortgage and i made 600 bucks and I couldn't even get an overtime shift. And if I did get an overtime shift, that was probably only worth three or 400 bucks to me net. I was like, dude, that was awesome. Let's do it again. And that's that's what that's what started it all. That one, uh, we have what we call section eight housing or subsidized housing here in the US, um, started buying subsidized rentals and just guaranteed money from the government. And off we went. And, and once that one $600 hit, man, that was like, First time you went at the casino, it was like I got to go recreate this over and over and over again,
1: dude. you, you unpacked a lot there, and I've been making notes just because I wanted to to cover them all. So first and foremost, uh on behalf of, of myself and and all our firefighters and first responders, our condolences to your two lost brothers there, Rodney and Dylan. That's that's tragic. um We have you know fatalities in the line of duty quite often uh, across North America, and it's it's never great to to hear, and so. First and foremost, my condolences on that. Um, you talked like a lot. You nailed a lot of things on the head that that this podcast was created for and uh, and what I do as a mortgage broker on my days off. And it's it's conversations we have daily. Um, you see it all the time as first responders. They go from their jobs in like, say, trades or whatever they did before they became cops, firefighters, nurses, paramedics. They're working like a five-day, 40-hour work week. And then they get on the job, whatever profession, and all of a sudden now they're working eight days a week be- between their their first responder gig and their their side gig. Um, for firefighters, the the IWF union, um, I think eighty five percent of the the union works a twenty four hour schedule. Um, in BC, we were the same model as you you were in Baltimore, and, and we're slowly transitioning to the twenty four. But I've seen it time and time again that guys and, and female uh, firefighters, first responders. They're either working eight days a week with a side job or they're working eight days a week with overtime. Um up here, I, I can speak to BC specifically. After the pandemic, there's been a, a lot of overtime just because like the retirement rates increase, the the demand increased. So like I know police officers that they work three of their four days off, um, and they're just trading time for money, right? They're not really getting that much further ahead because at the end of the day, like you said, like I'm grinding just to trade my time with my family for money. And uh, I'm gonna go down this hole with you here on this one, but the passive income piece that you talked about, like you said, like you spent 20K on a house and and like I live in BC, our markets, BC and and Ontario and Toronto, we don't have that kind of bared entry as low as it is, like like a single one bedroom condo here in the lower mainland of BC. And let's say Toronto is five to $600,000 Canadian. Uh, so let's call it four or three seventy five American, and it's hard to have them cash flow. Um, you can look at like the outline areas, like middle of the country, where you can get a home for maybe three hundred grand and it cash flows. But you kind of talked about it, like you were looking at things like they're shutting down trucks, the overtime wasn't there. You have a growing family. How do we make ends meet? How do we grow our wealth? And and the generational wealth piece that you you touched on too, like it's it's killer, man. Like no one really has that forethought to think how am I going to pass this wealth down? Like if I'm no longer here, what's my family going to do and what's my family going to to have? And and you spoke on it with, with the asset class of real estate. Um,
2: yeah. So yeah,
1: that was a lot to unpack. Did you, yeah, you well, lot. And,
2: and I could give you a second iteration, right? Um, it, you know, this is like sitting around the coffee, you know, the kitchen table talking shit with the boys, right? Like you got your first pass and now it's like, all right, let's go back and dig <laughs> in. But dude, <laughs> firemen like we my business partner and i we used to flame the union uh, forget if you like unions or not that's a whole other story we would flame the union we're like dude guys are so bad with their money teach them financial literacy because the next time the government the city offers us a shit contract if they're financially stable who gives a shit you know what i'm not taking your dumb two percent and i'm not taking oh, you're allow- allowing us to wear t-shirts. Like nobody cares about that. I care about what dollar amount is in my bank account because in the end, we all need to survive. And we had a chief at the time when I started investing in real estate. He's like, I want to make sure you guys use all your vacation and that you have family time and all this other shit. And I'm like, but then you work us to death and we can't afford to do anything anyway. And we all need to work these jobs. We can't afford it. Like, what does that matter? Um, And then the other thing that really, really messed me up and, um, you know, it goes hand in hand with why we bought real estate. How many of you have sat around the kitchen table with a dude that's got 30 or 40 or 50 years on and you're going, bro, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, what are you doing? Like, I don't know if you guys have forced time out, but we don't. And we would have got I, I worked with a guy who wound up doing 50 years. And at the time, he probably had right around 40, uh, 40 years on. And I'd watch him come down to the kitchen table. He'd be like chief so-and-so wants me to do this, blah, 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 blah. And then he'd bitch about it and then go upstairs and do it. And I'm like, Lieutenant, just retire. What are you doing? First off, the guy told me to do that. I'd hang the phone up on him, number one. Like, I can't believe you let anyone talk to you like that. But then more importantly, <laughs> number two. You're losing money coming to work. What are you doing, dude? The city, in the end, you're just a number in this whole matrix is shit. And this is not political because I know we live in a very divisive world. That's not what I'm talking about. They literally look at you like a number. Because when I went out, I got hurt. I broke my ankle um, in an alley and nobody gave a shit. It was like Ian broke his ankle. Damn, we'll miss him. Life goes on, dude. You are a number. And when you're that number... That's actually helping the pension system. You are not doing anyone favors. You talk all this shit on whatever city you work for and how badly you're mistreated, but then you yet you come to work because you know what? He didn't have anything else. He didn't have other income. And another one that messed me up was the guys that would say, 20 and out, I'm done. Okay, well, cool. What are you going to go do? Like live your life? Now I'm going to go get a job at Walmart. I'm going to get a job at Home Depot. I'm going to get a job for this plumbing company. And I'm like, I understand having purpose, Why are you leaving one job for another? Like, I don't I don't understand that whole dynamic. Like the goal is to make a lot of money or set yourself up financially free that allows you to then enjoy what you want to enjoy. I happen to enjoy doing business. So the more freedom I get, the more I look to build more business. Some people like getting freedom in backcountry skiing or snowboarding, heliboarding wake surfing, travel in the country in an RV. Whatever you want to do, the point is you want to be freedom. You want the financial freedom to cut the umbilical cord so you can control your life. The true definition of wealth is having as much free time as you possibly can, and you control your own time. Sorry, that that was like one of them rants. Finish coffee, get no, up, go get no. another donut, drink another like, cup of coffee. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. Uh, so we have
1: um, like, I can't I only know what I know, but most of the, the first responder professions up here, they have like a after 30 years, you kind of capped out your pension. So you leave. And I know um, fire departments, it's mandatory retirement at age 60. So we don't see that as much as like you see in the States. But one thing you talked to there was the financial literacy part. And as a mortgage broker, like I see it day in and day out. And even in the first responder worlds, I get asked questions all the time. Like people are always wondering, like they don't know anything or I shouldn't say they don't know anything, but. They're just conditioned to take the five-year fix from the bank pay it down you know work some overtime pay the mortgage down and they don't they've never been shown that the the 30 000 foot view of things on like well, what if i did this to accomplish this and and i see it now as i as i become a more seasoned mortgage broker and, and guys look to me as a professional they're asking well how does like that person buy two rental properties or how is this person doing this and then this is where the podcast stem from this is like I was having these conversations daily, multiple times a day. And I was just starting to be like, hey, if three guys on my job are asking, there's probably 30,000 first responders in Canada that want to hear this answer as well. So uh, I'm glad you spoke to it. Uh, so you're probably 10 years on the job. You you bought that first house. What was the trajectory? Like, what happened over the next couple of years prior to your departure? Like, what did you and your business partner um, amass yep. and accumulate? <clears throat>
2: So we got hired in 08, 2012. I bought my first house. Now, mind you guys, like I was not, dude, I had a 500 credit score. Like I was pretty jacked up, dude. And I just, I had 15 grand saved up. I had no clue what I was going to do. I buy house number one, buy house number two. I'm kind of buying houses on my own. My business partner at the time, he was wholesaling and he got jammed up in the 08 crisis, bought a house, went to go refinance it got stuck with a bunch of credit card debt wasn't financially literate uh he went down the dave ramsey wormhole got real debt free uh by wholesaling and making a bunch of cash and then he came to me we grew up together he's like yo dude i got this house i got this portfolio of houses at the time i had 10 houses he hadn't done any he hadn't owned any and he's like i got this portfolio of four houses i want to i want to wholesale the three and i want to keep the fourth and well, let's flip it So we wholesaled the three and then we flipped the other house and want to be in probably mid six figures, not mid six figures, mid hundred thousands payday. We netted a hundred on the wholesales originally and about another 50 grand on the flip. And we said, Holy shit, dude. I was like, Yo, dude, do you think you can uncover another thing like that? And, And dude, this is 2014. And in 2014, I don't know how it was in Canada at the time, but in the US, that was. We In 2012-ish, we like really, really hit the absolute freaking bottom. And we were just starting to come up like this. And I said, dude, can you find another house? He's like, yeah, my wife's a realtor. I have access to MLS. I send mail out all the time. Six months later, we found another house, did it again. I was like, dude, that was freaking awesome. Let's do it again. I went and raised a million bucks from a dude that I knew. He went and found houses and off we went, dude. It was just nonstop. Uh so from basically from 2014 till about 2018 we flipped a couple you know we flipped about 100 houses. We uh, built a rental portfolio of about 100 houses. Um our wheelhouse was not the first house that I described that was in a tougher area. Um that was not repeatable, right? Like you're like, hey, I don't have that pricing stock around me. Well, guess what? I have that pricing stock around me, but I don't want to be there every day. And it was not repeatable. So we found better houses. So our what our wheelhouse and what our metric was, and this is what worked for us, was we'd be all in for 120,000 bucks. House was worth 150,000 bucks. We would get about 1250 to 1350 rent, and we would refi them. Sometimes we were in for 100, we would net 20 grand. Sometimes we were in for 140, we give that 20 grand back, but we were building a portfolio and we were going and just continuing to go, go, go wholesale a few houses, get some cash, stick them in, borrow some money from some of our fireman friend who were like starting to become savvy to what we were doing. Boom, stick it in refi, keep it rolling, 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 rolling. And then once we built the machine, it was kind of hard to stop till about 2000, late, late 18, early 19 inventory dried up really quick. Uh, We concentrated on operations, and that ultimately is what allowed us to diversify uh, into commercial assets. But I know you're going to unpack some of what I'm saying here. One point that I want to drive home is we got really good at one thing we got good at buying value add properties, having a construction crew, and going in there and doing it. That is where we cut our teeth. It wasn't we were the best managers, we weren't independently wealthy, we weren't anything other than grinders who understood how to get in there and build single family houses. And that led us to other opportunities of raising capital, getting into commercial real estate, having banks willing to work with us. That's what we did. We got good at one thing and one thing only. And that was building single family houses.
1: Yeah, I love it. So if there's anything that people can take away from what Ian said here, and I heard, I think Alex Ramosi has said it in his book, the last one, that's like puddles, lakes, oceans or, or puddles, ponds, lakes, oceans. So like start small, get bigger. But when you start small, like nail it, get good at it, get efficient at it. You don't have to be the best at everything. And I see it all the time. Like in, in first responder worlds that like, there's talented people in different like segments and avenues. So you have the talented trades people, you have the savvy money managers, you have the accountant backgrounds. People need to like, just get good at what they do and then find the professionals to merge. Um, and I think it's phenomenal how you you guys scaled that. Obviously in today's world, um, post 2016 mortgage lending rules in Canada have drastically changed. If you had a heartbeat and uh, avoid bank check, we could get you a mortgage in 2016, but the B20 rules here in Canada, um, it drastically changed the landscape and even more so now, like people are having to qualify and be stress tested at a rate that's 2% higher than the contract rate. So. Um, the first timestamp in October 26th. So clients are having to qualify at a at a 8.4% rate so that the borrowing power is diminished. But we're going to kind of segment here and, and di- divert into how you would have overcome that in your market and in your time. But uh, I'll get to that shortly. Um, before I do that, so I, I'm not saying to everyone listening today that quit your first responder role and go out and, and find something else. I'm just showing a bit different takes on the world because for every 10 first responders that eat, live, sleep, die, breathe first responders, there's that one person who just thinks differently and, and sees the picture differently. So uh, for you, what was the defining moment where you decided to say, okay, like, I think I'm done with fire. I'm going to go all in on uh, what you're doing now.
2: Yeah. And you are right. You should, the way we looked at it was build, build passive income, whatever you define that as other than your fire department job and roll that in, take your active income, roll it into your passive investment. And eventually your passive investments overtake your active income that allow you to leave. We probably should have left probably three years earlier than we did. There was a lot of social pressure outside of uh, what we do on a daily basis. A lot of COVID BS. I know you guys went through it up in Canada, a lot of like, what pronouns going to be in your email, and a lot of this other shit that kind of forced our hand. Simultaneously, as we're getting to refinance um, a 76-unit apartment building that netted us a little over seven figures, and when we did that, we both just said, dude, fuck it. That's, that's three to five years of salary each. Let's just leave. We'll be fine. We'll figure it out. It is what it is. So we um, so we that was kind of like the forcing hand. You got to remember, like we used to be able to pay for swaps. So like we moved to 24 on, 24 off, 24 on, five days off. We used to be able to pay people 10 to 12 bucks an hour to go work your shift on a swap. Uh, and then they started cracking down on that. Then overtime was through the roof. Nobody wanted to work for anybody. Nobody wanted a shift trade. There was all these like things. And it was just like, dude, what what am I doing? Like we own $50 million of real estate. It wasn't that much at that time. It was probably closer to 30, 35 million of real estate. And we're like, why are we going to work every day? Like we make more money over here. And it was just like, it just everything was crashing down at the same time. They were starting mandatory testing, mandatory vaccines. Uh, like I said, pronouns in your email, all this like non-fire department shit is getting in the way of what we love to do. And I was like, listen, man, like, if you would have asked me day one uh, in 2008, if I would have been a 30 year guy, it wouldn't have been a question in my mind. Same thing with Dan; no question in our minds. 30 years, ghetto fireman. Let's go do it. Let's go. Let's go to war every day, and they won. And it's not that they won; it's just we had a bigger time horizon, bigger opportunity on the other side. Something that's safer, and we left. I left. I left 9:28 of 20. What year are we in? 23? I left in 21. My business partner left in October of 21. January of 22, they killed three firemen. And we hadn't experienced a line of duty death like that uh, ever in our 15 uh, years-ish timeframe. And it killed three people. And it was two guys from Dan's Firehouse and uh, a lady who actually was on my shift. We were together for five years and we all worked together at that first firehouse 14 engine together she was killed the three of them were tragically killed in a fire and then fast forward almost a year later they killed two more firemen and again someone else that we know that we're very close with and it's like damn dude like i love the job but in the same sense it's like it's kind of like selfish in a way of like yeah i'm going to work i'm going to do this i'm having like you're putting your life on the line but like your family is the one that suffers and in the moment you don't recognize it but once you're on the outside looking in you're like what the dude what the fuck was i doing you know um but really that seven figure refinance and just being in good opportunities and building a massive amount of cash flow building a team around us is what allowed us to leave uh and roll out the back door ultimately
1: okay hey, yeah so again i'm not on the soapbox here saying leave your first responder role but i think it's just like crazy to hear different sides of the coin and, and different stories so we have two firefighters They've been cutting their teeth for 15 years. They're middle of the pack of seniority. And now they have this seven figure deal and they're leaving. So it, kudos to the both of you on, on putting that together, just being two ghetto firefighters, as you call it. Um, but it, it's pretty crazy to hear, uh, from this side of things to look at that and see what you did. Okay. So we have your firefighting history kind of laid out. We see the the lead up to the departure. You've departed now. So now we're, we're two years almost, or just over two years since your departure. What are you and Dan doing now? What's what's the day-to-day to look like? What I know what the answer is, but like what's going on in your world? What's what's happening?
2: Yeah. So the day we left, uh about a month, well, about a month later after Dan left, we closed a $12 million self-storage portfolio. And we probably doubled our portfolio size in less than a year. And it gave us so much time freedom and allowed us to do what we wanted to do. Uh, and it really opened the doors to raising capital. People took us seriously. Um, it, You know, like you said at the beginning of this podcast, most people don't leave, right? It's like, yeah, I'll, everyone sits around the kitchen table. I'll talk shit. Oh, yeah, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. F this, F that. Nobody leaves. And when we left, everybody was like, holy shit. Like, you guys actually left. Like, I can't believe it. And that's when people started taking us real serious. We have raised about $20 million of capital. To continue to invest in deals, um, portfolio value today is about seventy million bucks, um, and we're just grinding away, dude. It, it it's been fun. It's been awesome. Freeing up, allowing us to do. You, you don't realize, and I, I can't. You said you work twenty four hour shifts, like that twenty four hour shift. Whether you take a run or not, you ain't sleeping right at the firehouse, and there for a while. Right after the fire department coming out, like it was like fill the vacuum. And I worked all the time, but it was a different type of work. It was, I was so like locked in and it, it's still locked in today. And just the physical and the mental stress has like gone down. Uh, I think I immediately lost about 20 pounds after I left. I mean, for some of that's probably because I wasn't eating donuts and cookies and God knows what else comes in the firehouse every day. But I think the stress, I can't even begin to, I know you're asking me what we're doing today, but The day we left, the amount of stress that just lifted up off my shoulders, like in the moment, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm filling out all the paperwork. I don't know. I don't know. And when I got home and I woke up that next morning, I was like, holy shit, dude, I felt so relieved. And today that relief has allowed us to grow our portfolio. Uh, We actively concentrate on acquiring self-storage facilities and multifamily properties um, we look in the better part of the United States and it's allowed us just to continue to grow and have a good growth trajectory and, and be much more predictable in what we're doing on a daily basis. So.
1: That's crazy, man. Like, like I said, two ghetto firefighters over, let's say the better part of 15, maybe 20 years, you now have $70 million under, under management.
2: It's, like, it's uh, crazy, dude. It's, it's like, you Can't even like everyone's like, Where'd you learn all this shit? And I tell people all the time, I was like, dude, like we would take runs. So where the riots happened, if you guys paid attention to all the crap that happened here in the US when Baltimore had the riots, that when the CVS was burning, that that's North and Pencey, and that's that we called it the epicenter. That was in my first doing. It's where there's a there's a subway stop there, and it's just it's just a mess, dude. It's a it's a mess. And we would take runs there all F and night. And there would be nights I just sit out at North and Pennsy just looking at other people's deals. How are they structuring them? How are they doing these commercial assets? How are people making money? And I would just literally 24 hours, because I was a driver for a good part of my career. I just look at other people's deals. I I would watch YouTubes. I would consume all the content. It's. I tell people that was a competitive advantage to be up for 24 hours because I could consume content all day. And it's like, damn, I actually learned stuff rather than wasting my time. Most people are sitting there watching dick videos and prank videos and like, just mindless shit. I'm like, no, nah, I'm trying to figure out how to invest my money so I can get out of here. Like, when the Bitcoin run and Dogecoin and all this other crap, everyone sitting around, you all buy this, don't do that. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I want something tangible and I would just watch those videos. And that's what I think leaped us into the next level. Like, the barrier to entry to single family real estate is relatively easy, whether it's 300, 500 grand, whatever it is, there's something in your area that people can afford to invest in. If not come to the U S there's plenty of cities. You can find stuff that stuff's inexpensive, Cleveland, um, Baltimore, you know, just know what you're buying middle U S right. Like there's places you can go find affordable housing, but what allowed us to really have the exponential growth was learning about commercial real estate, learning how to get to that next level. And well, whether you want to call it a next level or not, we thought it was, and that's what made me claw to get there. And took us to that next level was having all that freedom and time to understand and understand what other people are doing and just keep grinding out. So,
1: yeah, no, I definitely I see it day to day in my first responder role, and then I see it talking with first responder clients that there, there's definitely two types of of those people. There's the some that are just you know living life on Instagram feed, checking out what's going on, and then there's the people like yourself who are constantly consuming. I mean, it could be anything it could be a second language it could be business it could be like yep. health and wellness but there's just that 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 type of person who like has the earbuds in or is, and that's where the podcasts come huge for me too like I I commute to work 45 minutes to an hour twice or let's call it eight times a week. Um, I don't listen to the radio anymore I listen to podcasts or yep. I, I'm listening to, to training training stuff just to consume because I think it's a, a competitive advantage that first responders are getting. And that's why you see a lot of these successful first responders like yourself up here, the tradesmen, the, the business owners, but they have that, that, that it, that it factor that just does
2: it. But yeah, um, to go back, sorry, not to cut you off, but no, like, no, go I ahead. Remember sitting, I remember sitting around the kitchen table one time and we got a rookie and I was like, so the other guy, one of our guys that invests with us and he's a union rep. He's like, yo, you got to talk to this guy. I said, okay. So we're sitting down. I was like, dude, write down all your assets. He's like, well, what's an asset? And I was like, well, here's problem number one. So he's like, writing down how much his money's in his bank account, which was like a few hundred bucks. And he's like, I got like a motorcycle. And I was like, well, write down all your debts, credit card debt. uh, Or I was like, write down all your expenses. So he wrote down like renting his house, utilities, whatever. I was like, well, you could barely afford to live. So then I write down all your debt, credit card debt, motorcycle debt, car debt, all this shit. And I literally just looked at him and I said, dude, you were literally worthless, man. And it was the same kid that was like, I don't understand because we do buy. So you could do buyouts. Like if you're trying to get someone off the list, he's like, I don't understand how people pay 20 grand who has 20 grand to be able to buy someone out. I was like, well, dude, you're worthless. Like you were literally worthless. You have no money to your name and you want to have a kid and you want to buy a house and you want to buy a boat. You want to do all this other stuff. You have no money, dude. Like you are negative in value. Nobody's going to bank you. And It feels good to give back, but, you know, a lot of people, you figure it out quick in the fire department because my buddy who invests with me, he does payday loans for people. And it's just like you watch all these people like chiefs with 20, 30 years hit my buddy up going, yo, I need a payday loan. And I'm like, fuck, you have 30 30 years and need a payday loan. Or I got suspended one time and I took the five days on the chin and the union president came to me and he's like, you can't take five days. Just give your vacation up. I was like, no, dude, everybody should take off so more guys can get overtime. He's like, well, guys can't afford it. He's, there's like guys with 30 years that can't afford to lose five days of pay. And I'm like, how? Oh, like, how is that? That's an inherent problem. And I understand the fire department attracts people who are journal and junkies that also attract people every walk of life. And not everybody's had the financial literacy. Not everybody understands it. And the more people that we can help In this industry? I mean, do we literally put our fucking lives on the line for people we don't know, but yet we're broke at home and movie stars and athletes are making hundreds of millions of dollars and they don't have a care in the world? They don't put their fucking life on the line. We do. And it bugs me that more guys are not financially free and at the end of their career, they can leave and be done. And you said that it's 30 years and out there. So you're telling me you're going to work 30 years, get hired at 18. And be out at 48 and then you gotta go work another job after you risked your life for the last 30 years. Like that's just it's crazy to me. And I hope more first responders take being financially literate serious. It it, it is something passionate, as you can tell, because I don't shut up. It it, it up no, no, for sure. It really does. So
1: yeah, no, I have uh so I've been brokering since 2020. And and when people approach me in my first responder walk of life, um I just buy them on Amazon, the rich dad, poor dad book and send it to yeah, them. Oh,
2: hundred uh, yep.
1: percent. Right. I'm like, Hey, like read this one, come back to me. And if you have questions, I'll, I'll buy you another book. Cause uh, from like where I stand in, in my business and, and our like for business, I just want to educate as many people specifically first responders on, on financial literacy and, and what it looks like. Um, yep. But Ian, you know, I'm super appreciative of you taking the time today. Yeah. Uh, Before we wrap up, if you will hang around for the Responder Roundup, it's six easy, lighthearted questions to answer for our listeners to get to know you. Hey, everyone. Real quick. The Responder Roundup is brought to you by SGS Mortgages, helping Canadians achieve wealth through real estate. For a no-commitment, 15-minute chat, go to www.chatwithscott.ca to see if we can help you. Okay. So what's one book you've read in the last 12 months that you'd recommend?
2: I've been reading, um, I've been reading the body keeps the score and it's been pretty impactful. Um, you know, I don't think many people realize the word trauma is more than just what we see on a daily basis. And I'm not trying to go down some like trauma fixing your life and everybody's got a bad life, but did your mom yelling at you, like when you're 10 could have potentially negatively affect your life. And you don't even realize it. You know, there's a reason I carry weight on me. Um, there's a reason I act a certain way. So I've been spending from a personal development side, the body keeps the score. Um, it's been, uh, it's been really good. And I'll just toss a business book out there. If you're looking to get motivated, just go read anything Hermosy. go consume, consume anything Hermosy. The fact that you even said his name and my name in the same sentence is, uh, is close to an honor, even though there was no connection. But <laughs> yeah. that guy is pure fucking fire, dude. Just go pick up hundred million dollar leads or hundred million dollar offers, and it will mind blow you and get you into a business sense and, and, and get you going.
1: No, hundred percent. I'd second that. Echo that. Okay, so if you had to eat one meal for the
2: rest of your life, what would it be? Well, I assume this is not to be healthy and live for the rest of your life. So no, I no. would just, I'm, a, I'm a Philly boy by nature. So I would have to eat a cheesesteak every day. Okay, uh, nice. and that would be it. I feel like it covers all the food groups and I could survive. I mean, I guess you could take the, get rid of the bread, go a little carb free if you want every once in a while. So that'd be uh that'd be my go-to. Okay. Uh, favorite quote. You know, I, I saw you sent this to me ahead of time and I should have done some research and I, I'm, you're going to call me a douche here, but I'm going to straight say my favorite quote is just go swing the bat. And I'm literally quoting myself. That is my, yeah. no. that is my thing. Literally go swing the bat. Um, other than that, I, I don't, um, there's not many motivational quotes I got. I'm not, it's not really my jam. Yeah, so. no, it's funny you
1: say that. Cause my business coach right now has analogy for, for getting reps and stuff. It's just, uh, get more at bats. So all the top hitters in MLB, like they have a 300 batting average. That means they only hit one in three pitches. Right. So like, just get up to the plate and take the at bat. So it's funny. Well, and that's what just- Hermosy,
2: right? That's what Hermosy's talking about. He's like, 100 million leads, like, $100 million leads. Like, you can't do anything until you got the leads. And once you got the leads, like, you got to have to offer or vice versa, yeah. for which way the books go. And it's like, yeah. damn, dude, he's right. And you know, how many people you talk to, like, yo, Scott, I'm thinking about doing a deal, blah, 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 and they don't do shit. And it's like, dude, come on, man, just go swing the bat. And, I think it's super important. It sucks that the Phillies lost. I don't know if you follow <laughs> yeah, baseball. Yeah, no but, idea. Uh, yeah. It's been it's been rough. Um, yeah. but other than that, man, yeah, I would just say go swing the bat. It's it's very, yeah. very monumental.
1: I like it. I might have an idea of what you're gonna say here, but uh favorite movie or TV show of all time?
2: Uh dude, actually I played hockey growing up, so my uh, my favorite movie of all time is actually Slapshot. It is nice. a, it is a Thanks. favorite of mine, but yes, the Wire is good. Um actually. I don't know my favorite TV show of all time. My favorite movie is definitely Slapshot. Favorite TV show. It's up for debate. I guess if my wife's watching, I'll tell you guys. I'll be I'll I'll straight up tell you when you get more free time, you spend more time with your wife, you end up watching some dumb shit, and I'm sucked into Real Housewives in New Jersey. I can't miss it at all. So I'll just <laughs> okay. let you know. I'll put that out there. Favorite city to travel to in your home state. Uh, for me, straight up, it's Philadelphia. I'm not into the West side of the state. I know Pittsburgh, they say it's cool, but Philly, we got a lot of rich history here from the start of this country. Um, you know, William Penn, there's a, the Liberty Bells here. The stadiums are awesome. The sports teams are awesome. There's plenty to do. And there's a ton of good food because we have a lot of Italians around here and uh, a lot of good food.
1: Okay. Final question. What's one thing that you purchased for under a thousand dollars that's had a positive impact on your life, both personally or professionally?
2: Dude, you've already said it. Spending $19 a month on Amazon or whatever, Audible, $19 a month, dude, you get a couple of credits and you just go through books, man. And you you talk about having that 45 minute commute. I used to have an hour commute uh, almost every day of the week, including going to the firehouse and then to my office. Now I have a 10 minute commute. And so now every day I'm forced to go out and go for a walk if I want to get my audible in, but do the shit that you can find in there. And I know $19 might sound like a lot, uh, to some people, but the first book, if it is a lot of money to you is go, go pick up anything, Dave or Ramsey and get financially free. And then after that, start looking at, uh, investing books, you know, the psychology of money is good. Rich dad, poor dad's good. Uh, anything in that realm and learn how to deploy your capital. And, and that's where I pick up a lot of great content. Uh, actually, the guy who I co-host my podcast with will read books at the same time and then book review them because it's uh, it's good. So,
1: Okay, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, if our listeners want to find you, where can they find you?
2: Uh, best place to track me down to anything equity warehouse, all social sites, equitywarehouse.com. If you want to learn how to Co-invest or see any case studies on how uh we've structured some of our deals with our friends and family. If you're looking to grow your portfolio, um, everything from the very first deal we done all the way up to the commercial assets we do today. If you want to try to track me down and really contact me, I respond the most on Instagram. Uh and it's at equity underscore warehouse, I believe. Um, you see this logo right here. Yeah. yeah no, I'm I'll sure. draw,
1: I'll, I'll drop it in the show notes as well. Cool.
2: Yeah man, I, if you hit me up, I'll definitely uh I'll definitely talk to you at least once and talk about how to swing the bat cuz that's 98% of the motivation everybody needs. So, Understand. uh if you want to reach out, happy to talk to you guys and uh I'm here. So, I appreciate you, man.
1: K, hey, much appreciated man. Take care.
0: Yep. Thank you for listening to another episode of First Responder to Riches. We hope you found value in this episode and ask that you click the follow button on your preferred podcast platform. And please take a minute to leave a five-star review. Your feedback and positive reviews help us reach more first responders like you who are seeking financial freedom. Thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, stay safe, stay inspired, and keep investing in your future.